Hey, Pastor Josh here. Thanks so much for watching our videos. If you'd like more information about Legacy City Church, you can go to LegacyCityChurch.com. Please don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the bell below. God bless you. We're in Matthew chapter 5 in our Bibles, Matthew chapter 5. And while you are turning there, man, have we had a week or what? Um, We have had um, three major things on the calendar happen this last week. And um, I'll just speak briefly to each of them um, because these are big things happening in our world. Maybe you're not even realizing it as a church or one of them sticks out to you more over another. But the first was on Monday, we had Martin Luther King Jr.'s birthday And we know a man um, who stood up in the midst of a generation and was a nonviolent activist. That was his M.O., was to stand up against racism in a nonviolent manner and lead the charge. And uh, actually posted about that on Monday, speaking about um, and showing him at a, uh, actually at a Billy Graham crusade where he is on stage with uh, white Billy Graham. And here is a black man in that day standing on stage at a crusade uh, with tens of thousands of people standing in the crowd. And it was a beautiful moment. I really enjoyed the moment because um, Dr. Martin Luther King, he, he prays for the crowd. And there's, it's a black and white film. And uh, as the movie is, or as the film is panning and as the camera is panning, you can see all these people bow their heads, people of different colors, backgrounds, all that in the crowd and all bow before the Lord in that moment. And something magical happens when we go before the Lord in prayer. We are all put on the same platform. We are all brought before him the same in his eyes. And it was a beautiful prayer and it's a beautiful statement because that is exactly how God sees us as his people, as one people before him. And that is the way we need to see each other. And uh, it was a beautiful statement. And I, and I hope that we will see more of that in the near future. I am sensing more divide more than ever before in our nation. And we need to humble ourselves before Almighty God and quit the riffraff over the melanin in our skin. <laughs> If there is any difference, let it be cultural, simply because you come from a different culture, I come from a different culture, but because of the color of our skin, this is ridiculous. The fact that we've gotten to this point proves that we are not uh, laying our lives down for one another and that we are not um, being obedient and and bowing down to the true King, our Creator. That leads us to the second thing that was a big day this week that many of you forgot about as well as Sanctity of Life Week. This is a a day set apart for the unborn, um, fighting for them, standing up for them, um, those who have been aborted. And there are, I can't even remember the number, 60 million, 70 million babies who have been aborted um, since this has been... um, okayed here in the States, worldwide. I don't even know what the numbers are. I don't know how many Martin Luther King Juniors have been aborted. I don't know how many Einsteins have been aborted. I don't know how many uh, Abraham Lincolns have been aborted. But um, here we go. We're asking for the answer for God to raise up a new generation of people to stand up for righteousness. And here we are wiping them off the face of the planet because they're inconvenient. And it's really, really sad. And we are called to stand up for the sanctity of life 
and we are called to pray against this. And um, sadly, with the new administration has already chosen to um, lift up abortion even higher and to continue to push that forward. Um, it's really sad to see. Nonetheless, that is the third thing that happened this week. Inauguration of a new president, President Biden. We are called as Christians to pray for our leadership. We are called as Christians to, um, yes, speak truth, but we are to live peaceable lives. We are not to be burning down buildings. We are not to be doing anything crazy like that. We are to be loving our neighbor and praying for those, even our enemies or even those that we do not agree with. And while there are many things that I don't agree with with the last administration, Are there many things I don't agree with with the new administration? Guess what I'm called to do for both? I'm called to pray for them. And you need to do that as well. That's what the Apostle Paul told Timothy. And that's what he would tell us today. And so that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to pray that God would continue to soften our hearts towards one another. And that we would be a cordial people who are working together for His glory. So let's pray before we dive into God's Word. We'll spend some time studying it. Lord, we, we stop and reflect on this last week. So much has gone on. So much is going on. And we ask, Lord, that you would reconcile us to one another, that we would put away this looking down and fighting and hating and hurting each other and getting in each other's faces, that we would stop the screaming, we'd stop the fighting, and that we would have cordial dialogue Father, we pray for wisdom in these areas that we'd be able to move beyond our social issues because we look to your word and that we would lead in this as Christians. And Father, I pray for the unborn, that you would put a passion in our hearts to want to once again stand for this injustice as well. That you would give us wisdom and vision on how to love and serve our neighbors around us to help change their mind on these issues. Lord, we pray for a movement in this day and age that would eradicate much more racism, but would also lift up the unborn, and that you would bring forth men and women that were going to be aborted, that would rise up and bring change to our nation. And Father, we now pray for the new administration. We pray for President Biden, and we ask, Lord, that you would use him for your glory, We ask, Lord, that you would change his heart, change his mind on issues that do not align with your word. We pray, Lord, that the things that do align with your word, that you would take them to the highest degree and that you would once again use another man, another woman, another person in the White House to bring yourself glory. We trust you, Lord. You're in full control. You're not worried. You're not shaken by anything. You weren't shaken by the last administration, you are not shaken by this one. You rule and reign. You do it forever. And we anchor in you. It causes us to want to live in more obedience and trust, trusting your will, trusting your plans one day at a time. We thank you that you're working now. And we ask, Lord, that you would continue to minister to us, that we would not be overwhelmed. We would not be fearful this year, but we would walk in truth. We love you, King. We lift this time a Bible study to you now. We do it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I don't like spending a lot of time on these things. Um, I would rather just spend a lot of time on Jesus. 
So uh, that's what we're going to do now. Um, I'd like to make acknowledgments of the things that have happened in our week, um, but I, we are not going to make the pulpit about anything but Christ. And that's very important to remember. We come here to church to worship God. We come here to church to remember Him and to get our eyes on Him. And so family, together, as we process all that's going on in our society, I hope right now in your home, wherever you're at, you can dive in with me to God's Word and worship there. Allow your heart and mind to be built up and encouraged. Amen? Okay. We are in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to cover verses 38 to 42. The title of the message today, if you're taking notes, is Retaliate with Holiness. Retaliate with Holiness. This is sermon number 18 in our series titled Jesus Worldview. Honestly, more than ever before, I really don't care uh, what other people's worldviews are other than trying to understand where they're coming from. But I am just not interested more than ever in a different worldview other than Christ. He seems to be able to cut through the fog of all the crazy over and over and over again, and he does it again today in our text. Heard of a story of a man and his wife. They were at odds with each other and not talking to each other. In the evening, the man suddenly remembered that he needed his wife to wake him up the next day at 5 a.m. so he could make it in time for a business flight since he did not want to be the first to break the silence because they weren't talking to one another, he wrote to her on a piece of paper, please wake me up at 5 a.m. And then he left the note on her bedside table. The next morning, the man woke up only to find that it was 9 o'clock in the morning. He had missed his flight. He jumped out of bed furiously to find out why his wife had not awakened him and came across a note on his bedside table. The note read, it's 5 o'clock, wake up. Ah, yes, I love it. How about another one that I found too? They were so good. You got to hear this one too. Two friends met at a neighborhood supermarket one day. When they got into the checkout line, one of the ladies started rummaging through her purse for her wallet. She took out, of a, few, took out a few things from her purse, including a TV remote. Do you always take the remote with you when you go shopping? The other woman laughed. No, the woman answered, but I asked my husband if he wanted to help me shop, and he said no. I asked him if I could take the car, and he replied that as long as I left him the TV, I could take whatever I wanted and get out of the house. So I turned to the fashion channel and told him he had nothing to worry about. <laughs> she took the remote with her. Retaliation we're going to talk about today. Retaliation. And the reason we're going to talk about retaliation is because, as pointed out in the text today, so often... When someone does something wrong to you, you retaliate, I retaliate beyond what we are supposed to. We go too far. And then what happens to the person you just retaliated at? They come back at you with more force. And before you know it, you're, you're 10 steps too deep into this thing. It could be a neighbor, it could be a stranger, it could be your marriage, it could be a family member. We, we go too far. And gosh, especially in today's age, um, I, I'm thinking about social media. I mean, like, I cannot believe the misunderstandings and things that happen online these days. And um, I did a little experiment this last week, just kind of testing social media, just to kind of see where people are at. 
People don't know I'm doing an experiment, but I'm doing one for my own gain a little bit. Um, also to try to help people set their hearts and minds straight on all that's going on. But it's so funny to watch people. I could literally see, I tested them with two different pictures. And uh, to watch the way people respond without reading anything that I've said in the post. They literally, people would just take out grenades and just throw them at me. And uh, I kept challenging every single time somebody did that. Um, did you read the post? Did you read the post? Did you read the post? Because what they were doing is they were assuming things that I was not saying. And if they just took even 10 seconds more, they would see I'm not doing anything that they are thinking. Yet the retaliation that they are giving stirs me to want to do what? Fight them now. And this is what's happening to our community. Like, we don't have patience for one another anymore. We don't want to understand each other. And instead of sitting back in patience and waiting to respond or waiting to come at somebody, we retaliate with such force that is not necessary. Jesus talks about it today. Oh, how we need a dose of this medicine more than ever. We're in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 38. If you have your Bibles, you can stand for the reading of God's Word there in your home if you'd like to. If not, it's okay. You can sit with me as well. We always stand for the reading of God's Word to pay honor to Him, to remember whose Word we are reading. This is Jesus talking, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said to His disciples, You have heard it said, An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Your word is powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It cuts deep into the heart, into the mind. You alone can change us. You alone can transform our hearts. So we humble ourselves now before you. We ask that you would align us with you. We love you, King. Speak to us now, we pray, by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. Remember, this is Jesus' statement against the Pharisees. He has done this over and over. He gives six statements. Again, he says, You have heard it said, but I say to you. You have heard it said by the Pharisees, but I say to you. And this is number five in the six statements that he gives. The Pharisees got the law of Moses wrong. They interpreted the scriptures incorrectly. You have heard it said, you interpreted it wrong. It's been interpreted wrong. You've heard it said, but I say to you, Jesus clarifies the meaning of the scripture. We're so thankful that Jesus has done this. They try to keep the letter of the law a rule instead of the spirit of the law. It's true meaning. We've talked about this a lot before. They hated people, but never murdered, so they kept the law. They lusted, but never committed adultery, so they kept the law. They gave a certificate of divorce and thought they could divorce any reason they want, and were not breaking the law. They made oaths, and supposedly kept them, but they only did it to manipulate people. They kept the letter of the law, but the heart was far from God. They missed the whole point. 
Today, Jesus confronts them on retaliation, another topic. They had the law of Moses all wrong again. We're going to do this again today, as we've done many weeks here in the past. We will look at what Moses said about retaliation. We will look at what the Pharisees were saying about retaliation. And then we will look at what Jesus says about retaliation, the true meaning. What did Moses say first? Point number one, what did Moses say about retaliation? If you're taking notes, Exodus chapter 21, verse 23. When I reference scriptures very quickly, I'd encourage you just to write down the reference if you're taking notes, and then you can look them up later. Just rapid fire, you want to write them down, and then you can have them for later. Exodus 21, 23. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. That is the full definition of eye for an eye, tooth for tooth. Leviticus 24, 19. If anyone ensures his neighbor, as he has done, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever injury he has given a person shall be given to him. Deuteronomy 19.21 Your eye shall not pity. It shall be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. Okay, so those there is Moses' perspective and really the exact definition of the law that Jesus was quoting and the Pharisees were referencing. The main point of the law of Moses was to limit people. It was to control the excess of violence and anger and the desire for revenge. People back then are just like they are today. Many times when someone insults you, you have the desire to insult back, don't you? If someone hits you, you want to hit them back. If someone cuts you off, you want to, we won't talk about it, right? We'll let that one go. Most people don't stop at just repaying what is just. They want to do more damage. If someone walks up to punch a person out, the other person doesn't just try to punch them back. They try to beat them up badly, and some will even try to kill them. Retaliation always seems to go too far, and this is why the Lord initiated this law for people. It was to limit them. Eye for an eye. That's it. Tooth for a tooth. Nothing more. Okay? The purpose of this law was not to urge people to take an eye if someone has hurt an eye, but to stop the excess of violence, people taking revenge on one another. One more thing and the most important truth about this law put in place by Moses is it was actually in the hands of the judges and not the people. The judges of that day would decide what was fair. The people were not to settle it themselves, taking matters in their own hands. When many people quote this passage, they think of individuals carrying out an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, like, you knock my tooth out, now give me your tooth. Like, that's not it. Now I get to knock your tooth out. But this was a law carried out by the judges, not by the people. And the judge decided what justice would look like. So, you know, if someone comes over and punches a guy out and takes his tooth out, um, maybe it may not be a tooth, but it may be the fine um, that it would cost this man for the tooth. Um, but it wouldn't be more than. They, they're basically balancing it out in the law, trying to figure out what it looks like. 
Um, they're not going to walk over with pliers and say, okay, now we got to take your tooth out. Um, or now, okay, we have, uh, we have the hitman over here who's going to smash a tooth out in front of everybody. That's not the point. We're talking about trying to minimize retaliation. It's the same thing with the certificate of divorce. We talked about it. It was not something that people went handing around to get out of divorce. It was a way to protect the woman who was being divorced by the crazy guy who wanted to divorce her for no reason and leave her and the kids out on the street. It was a protection, a limiting. And this is important to remember. Jesus is limiting, or Moses was limiting retaliation in that day. And of course, the Pharisees wanted to twist it and use it to their advantage. Point two, if you're taking notes, what did the Pharisees say about retaliation? Verse 38 again, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. The issue with the Pharisee was they were taking matters into their own hands and were teaching others to do the same. They would punish and retaliate saying they were keeping the law, when the law was to be left to the hands of the judges. So the Pharisee was taking matters in their own hands, and they would be the judge in situations. They would determine what the tooth was. Oh, you knocked my tooth out, now you got to give me your house. Well, that's not just, that's not right. Yes, it is. We are the judges. We are the religious leaders of the land. We run this joint. They were a mafia of some, some sort. Second thing to note, the point was not to make sure someone was punished, but again, to make sure that excess violence didn't happen. This is the problem with the Pharisees. They had the word of God backwards. They made up their own rules and laws to keep, then declared they were religious. Just because someone's eye is smashed out doesn't mean that we need to now instinctively retaliate. We need to explore the situation and really figure out what happened. And I can see the Pharisees taking advantage of every single thing that happened and leveraging it for their own gain, looking for opportunities of retaliation. When the point of the law was actually to do the opposite, to limit retaliation. Could someone's tooth get knocked out because somebody swung a, a shovel hit the guy in the tooth, it's an accident. We don't need, then need to go and take their house or take whatever from them. It was an accident. But they were leveraging the law of Moses for their own gain. Jesus calls them out and reveals their heart. The Pharisee wanted to better themselves and punish others who wronged them. Jesus says the opposite. He says, retaliate with holiness. Retaliate with what is right. Retaliate with what is good. Retaliate with what is holy. And Jesus turns this whole thing upside down. And I love it. It's so amazing. Point number three, what did Jesus say about retaliation? Here it is, verse 39. But I say to you, you've heard all these churches say this, but I say to you. You've heard all these religious leaders say this, but I say to you. You've heard all these political leaders say this, but I say to you, listen up. You hear these cultural leaders say this, but I say to you. You hear the media and the news say this, but I say to you, Jesus says, do not resist the one who is evil. But if he slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who begs from you. And do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Let's break this down. Amazing, amazing words. 
Just reading it just wants to change me. I can feel it. Lord, give us grace. Do not resist the one who is evil, Jesus says. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. This passage has caused so much confusion and controversy over the centuries because most people don't read this passage in light of its context. And not only its context, but also the whole Bible. The Bible does not contradict itself. Okay, And we must interpret the Bible with the Bible. It is not circular reasoning. This is 66 different books. The word Bible means books. It's 66 different books, 40 different authors, 1,500 years of time, written in three different languages. So they actually are a sounding board off one another. They actually are lay out 66 different books and compare them back and forth to see exactly what is being said. It is an accountability within itself. It's an amazing way that this thing comes together to hold itself accountable author to author, showing that it is all aligning with one voice coming from God. There should be thousands of contradictions with 1,500 years of time, three different languages, 40 different authors, 66 different books, but there isn't. It's absolutely beautiful in the way it comes together. So we interpret the Bible with the Bible. That's the best way to interpret and understand it. The Bible explains itself over and over and over again. And if something isn't making sense, it's because you have not understood the full context of what it's saying. We must remember that Jesus is not setting up a new law of Moses to govern society. Jesus is giving principles and a framework by which Christians desire to live by. It is not little laws for every detail of life and society. It is not. But they are principles that do apply to all of life. We need to remember this. We are not so much looking at Jesus' commands, searching for the letter of the law, but we are looking for the spirit of the law and trying to understand its meaning. You're like, well, how does this law apply to me? You know, when your neighbor's donkey falls into a hole on your property and breaks its leg, you're to pay him 50 shekels. It's like, I don't have a donkey. I don't have any holes on my property. My neighbor doesn't have a donkey, and I don't even know what a shekel is. The, 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 what is the spirit of the text? We know the letter of the law. We know what it's saying. What is the spirit of that? It's basically saying this. If you've been irresponsible to leave a massive hole on your property and magically your neighbor's, you know, something comes over and falls in, let's just say your your tree on your property, because you didn't trim it back, magically falls on your neighbor's car, you are now responsible to help your neighbor. That's all it's saying. That is the meaning of the text. And we need to learn to extract this. It's very important. You get this wrong. Um, you can believe all kinds of crazy stuff about the Bible. Jesus is going back to the spirit of the law, the meaning of it and extracting from it. People have taken these words of Jesus, do not resist the one who is evil, and made some very bizarre conclusions because they look at it as the Pharisee does, the letter of the law, not the understanding of the spirit of it. On the surface, it says one thing, what? is Jesus meaning was Jesus saying do not resist anyone who is evil just let them do whatever they want 
So some think so in every situation because they miss the context. Let me explain. People use this text all the time saying, Jesus said not to stop evil, so turn the other cheek and let them slap you. Really? One of the most famous people to uphold this idea was the great writer, Count Leo Tolstoy. He believed we shouldn't have police, soldiers, judges, and to stop people, anybody to stop people from evil. And he said that this was unchristian to do so because Jesus said, do not resist the one who is evil. This is the problem. Taking scripture out of context, you can make the Bible say anything you want, even do not stop evil people from hurting innocent people. This is crazy. That's not what Jesus is saying. So what did Jesus really mean? Remember, he is combating the one who is using excess of violence because they were taking advantage of, of people on their own behalf, and they were hurting other people. Remember the law of Moses? He was setting it straight. He was trying to limit retaliation. So what is he saying? We also need to remember that this Sermon on the Mount is not speaking to a nation. It's not speaking to a people. It's not even speaking to a non-believer. Jesus is speaking to the Christian disciple. He describes that person in his opening statement of the Beatitudes. Jesus is speaking to a Christian individual, very important context. So when Jesus says, do not resist the one who is evil, he is not speaking to a nation governing law and defending a country or police, because that would mean don't stop anyone who does evil in this country, in the streets, in the city, let them do whatever. Police officer, just turn the other cheek, turn the other cheek and let the evil one take over people's neighborhoods and homes and all this stuff. That is not what it's saying. That would contradict other books of the Bible. Romans chapter 13 verse 1 says, Romans 13 1 says, for everyone must submit to governing authorities for all authority comes from God and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is in rebellion against what God has instituted and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear into people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong. Would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants sent for your good. But as for you, if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid for they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. How do you reconcile Romans 13 with turn the other cheek if it is speaking to a nation, to a group, or to um, those in authority in our society to stop what is evil? It makes no sense. So we need to understand it is not wrong to defend a country or an innocent family or a child when evil is coming at them. We are to defend and protect them. This is speaking about defending yourself. It is not speaking about groups of people. It's only speaking about you. Jesus is talking about your attitude, singular. When someone comes at you individually, not evil coming after your family or your city or your nation or your church, but you, an individual. And we will see this in the next verse. Jesus speaks to you. Let me ask you, where is your heart When evil comes at you, Jesus says not to resist it. And then he gives illustrations. 
But if anyone slaps you, you, you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Notice Jesus says if anybody slaps you, not the nation, not the city, not the innocent child, he is talking about you. What is your reaction? Where is your heart? I love this. Jesus goes after me individually. What is your reaction? Where is your heart? To revenge? Eye for an eye? Tooth for a tooth? Cheek for a cheek? Or are you a Christian who has the Spirit of God in them? Who says, no, I will not physically retaliate. I will stay under control and leave this in the hands of my God. I will leave this in the hands of the Lord. This reveals the heart of man. If you slap him in the face, where does his heart go? You want to get to a man's heart real quick? Just walk up and slap him in the face. (laughs) Don't do that. You see the slap competitions online these days? Absolutely hilarious that these guys are doing this. Two men, two grown men are standing there at a table holding these like pegs on a table. And they're like these big dudes and they basically just wind back and just slap each other in the face. And the other guy turns around and winds up. They slap each other until they knock the other dude out. Hilarious. That was a side joke. You want to see where somebody's heart at? Jesus says, come here, Pharisee. I'm going to slap you in the face. Let's see what happens. It's very interesting because, again, someone who is out of control will seek revenge immediately. But somebody who is under control by the Spirit of God just may have the patience, meekness, humility, and attitude to resist the one who is evil in such a way that he could change their heart. He gives himself over by, of course, not resisting the evil one and letting him have his way with a slap on the cheek, but then resists the urge to take revenge. That's supernatural. That's not stuff we see here in L.A. or stuff that we see here in this nation, stuff that we see in the world. We see people say, forget this, we're taking revenge. How do you deal with people in this city? Are you ready to fight back? Are you passionate about peace, passionate about no violence? Does your heart and desires reflect that of the kingdom of God? We are not to be a revengeful people, and that is the point. We are not to be a people who can't wait to take revenge on someone who has hurt us. This is not the heart of God. And if you hear your neighbor, you hear somebody, let's go get them. We need to go do this. We're going to go take care of business. Hold on. Let's step back. Let's seek the Lord first and see what's going on here. We are not a people who punishes others because we ourselves have not been punished for our sins. I didn't get punished for my sins. Oh wait, the Lord Jesus was punished for my sins. What am I doing going around punishing other people for their sins? This is our motivation, family. The cross of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus was punished for my sin. We should have been punished by God. We rebelled greatly. We sinned against Him greatly. We have attacked Him and His kingdom greatly with our sin and rebellion. And He should take revenge and punish us. But He didn't. He let us go free because of Jesus and the work on the cross. So how can we go around taking revenge on other people, punishing people? Instead, we should retaliate with holiness. 
you're offended by somebody, you don't go and punish them. You pray for them. You let God take care of that. Again, Jesus is calling out the Pharisee. He's calling out the person. He's calling out his own disciple one to one. We need to leave it in the hands of our God. It is better to show grace than to attack back. And isn't this what the Lord has done for us? Love these two story illustrations. Helps put these things into practice. The first is about a famous Cornish evangelist, Billy Bray. Before his conversion, he was a pugilist, a boxer. He was a great boxer, a very good one. And Billy Bray was converted, but one day down in the mine, he was working with another guy and a man who used to live in mortal dread and terror of Billy Bray before Bray's conversion, knowing he was converted, thought he had a last found opportunity. Without any provocation at all, he struck Billy Bray who could very easily have revenged himself upon him and laid him down unconscious on the ground. He hit the boxer. But instead of doing that, Billy Bray looked at him, instead of taking revenge, and he said this, May God forgive you, even as I forgive you. And no more. And the result was that that man endured for several days an agony of mind and spirit which led directly to his conversion. He knew that Billy Bray could do anything he wanted to retaliate but chose not to, and it broke the man. It's amazing how God can work. Or another Hudson Taylor, he was in China waiting for a boat. He had called a boat taxi to come and pick him up, but he was in traditional Chinese garb. And a wealthy Chinese person came up to him and thought he was, this Hudson Taylor was a local standing in line who was poor. And the wealthy man pushed him out of the way into the mud. And the boat came up and pulled up. And the boat taxi said, Excuse me, sir. This was for that foreigner over there that you just pushed in the mud. And the wealthy Chinese man was shocked and disturbed at his the way that he acted towards a foreigner that was in their land. The hospitality was ridiculous. He thought he was pushing some poor person from the slums over so that he could get on the boat taxi first. Turns out it's a foreigner. Hudson Taylor, as the taxi driver rebuked the the wealthy Chinese man, Hudson Taylor says, no, come and step in the boat with me. You can join us. And he was able to minister and speak to the man. We don't need to retaliate when people mistreat us. One to one. Somebody's mistreating my child you're going to see Papa Bear come out like you won't imagine. Somebody mistreats me. I don't need to get aggressive. I don't need to be mean. I need to instead ask for meekness and humility from God and say, Lord, you take care of that. And what an opportunity for grace. When someone punishes you to your face, you turn around and show them grace. You turn around and don't get into the riffraff. Romans twelve nineteen. Dear friends, Never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Done. Do we have a God or not? Do we let him deal with it or not? He is God or we are. He's going to deal with it or I'm going to deal with it. Who are you letting deal with it? 
if he is God, real and alive and in control, we can release the desires to retaliate against the person who's wronged us. I'm so happy there's a God and that no one gets away with anything. It frees me to be able to show love and grace. It frees me from having to punish and retaliate. Coworker, you don't need to punish your other worker over here. You don't need to punish your boss. Husband, you don't need to punish your wife. Wife, you don't need to punish your husband. We don't need to go after each other. I know we sin against each other. We hurt each other, but we do not need to retaliate and punish. Eye for an eye. No, no, no. Hold on. We're trying to limit, limit. Do you remember when Jesus was slapped in the face? Do you remember what he did? He was about to go to the cross. When he was slapped in the face, he didn't retaliate, but he did speak truth. And here's the balance. John 18, 22. If you ever get arrested, if I ever get arrested, if we're standing before and one-to-one a guard is giving you a hard time. It says one of the temple guards, verse 22, standing nearby slapped Jesus across the face. Is that the way you answer the high priest, he demanded? Jesus replied, if I said anything wrong, you must prove it. But if I am speaking the truth, why are you beating me? Wow. He just gets right at his heart. If I'm just speaking the truth, why are you beating me? He didn't fight him back. He didn't go after him. He didn't put him in a chokehold. Jesus, I mean, can you imagine getting into an armbar with Jesus? I mean, you're, you're, you're toast. We are not to be these helpless sheep with no backbone. We are just not to have a heart of revenge. We are to speak truth, stay calm and collected, and show grace if the opportunity arrives so that we can win people to Christ. Remember, this is all dealing with your own heart on the matter, not groups of people or others. If I see a child being beat by an adult, of course I'm going to stop that person. If I see a drunk trying to attack my family, of course I will restrain him. If I was called to war to defend this country and protect this nation because we would all die, including my friends and family, I would go to war. Remember, this is in the context of how you respond when someone attacks you personally. Where is your heart? Retaliate with holiness. The spirit of revenge is saying, how dare they do that to me? Do they know who I am? I'm going to show them. They're going to get it. And that's just pride. That's self-exaltation. We are Christians. We have died to self and we live for Christ. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. If anyone wishes to come after me, Jesus said, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me daily. I love that. Let's look at the next illustration. It's verse 40. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, Let him have your cloak as well. Another picture. Notice again, if anybody would sue you. Interesting fact, if the Jewish culture, in the Jewish culture, you couldn't sue a man for his outer garment, not for his coat, but you could sue him for the inner garment. Jesus says if someone comes to sue you for your shirt, which they can sue for, Give him your jacket too, which he can't sue for. That is grace beyond. Oh, he's suing you for your shirt, which he's allowed to sue for. 
Why don't you give him your jacket too, which he's not allowed to take? This is incredible. What is Christ asking? Someone wants to sue you, not your family, not your city, not your nation, not your client. You, where is your heart? How do you react? You see, this isn't ultimately about suing. It is just a picture to show you where your heart is at. When someone comes to sue you individually, where is your heart and attitude? Is it, oh, I'm going to take this person to the bank. I'm going to clean them out for messing with me. That doesn't sound like Christ. That sounds like a Pharisee. If they take your shirt, your heart should be to give them your coat as well. Legacy, our material things are no big deal. They all belong to the Lord. All that we have is His. All the money, all the stuff, house, property, everything that we have belongs to Him. Let's not forget that. And if being shown an injustice is an opportunity to show grace and win somebody to Jesus, take it. Take it. You're like, no, it's an opportunity to sue them and get rich. No, take the opportunity to bless them. Take the opportunity to show grace on people. What are we trying to win here? Are we trying to win for the kingdom? Or are we trying to win for us? What is better? You get your way and nail them. You show them who's boss. Or you show them the love and grace of your God because your heart has been changed. Yep, you're suing me for the shirt and you won. And... Um, Here's my jacket too. What would a person do if that happened? You're like, no, dude, I just took your shirt from you. I know. The Lord has changed me, and I just want to say I'm double sorry. Here's my jacket too. Wow. How would this change the world? How would this change the world around us, hearts and minds, if we started acting this way? Instead, when somebody wrongs us in this society, we go burn them down. We go burn them down on Twitter. We go do all kinds of crazy stuff. This is Jesus' worldview. Verse 41, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. If anyone forces you. The Roman soldier could stop anyone in the middle of their work and make them walk a mile carrying his stuff. Hey, you. I'm kind of in the middle of like doing a project at my house. You. You're going to carry my stuff for a mile. But that's not fair. I got work to do, man. I got I got to go to the grocery store. I got to get to the bank. I got all the stuff I got to take care of. Nope. Stop your work. You're going to do mine too. Check this out. Who is the Roman soldier? The government. Serving the government even though they are wronging you? Interesting. We need to pray for our government. Maybe we could win a couple people by grace. Given the opportunity one to one. I don't know, maybe somebody listening today, you may have that opportunity to actually win somebody one-to-one. And instead of snickering behind the scenes and playing politics, you actually have the opportunity to show grace in the secret place when no one is looking and bless them. Help change their heart, bring them to Christ. You're going to walk one mile with me. You're like, okay, you walked a mile. Aren't you going to cuss at me like the rest of them? No, sir, I thought I could take it two miles for you. What do you say? No, I, I only asked you to do one mile. I'm going to help you. I'm going to take it two for you, okay? He said, why do you do that? Why are you doing that? Well, God's changed my life, and I think he sent me here today to carry your stuff for another mile. You get an opportunity to minister grace. You get an opportunity to speak to them. 
What if we started winning people this way? No more retaliation, no more revenge. Our retaliation is holiness. How would that change the city? We got it backwards. Colossians 3.23, work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord rather than people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. I don't see a Roman soldier, I see Christ. He is my master, that's who I am serving. Verse 42, give to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Closing our text. Give to the one who begs from you. Another illustration. Does this mean give to everyone? No, of course not. We are not to be foolish, but we are to give to the one who we see needs it. One to one. We see that God has brought us this person. If you have the money and you can help, you should. I am not going to give money to a drunk. Most of the time I just say no. Um, I'll start a conversation with them. What do you need the money for? Just for a beer, man. Come on, help me get smashed. Uh, no, man. Um, when are you going to get off the street? What's the plan? What's going on? How can I help in that way? You're caught off by those questions. I want to really help. But I am going to give to a needy family every time that I can. So I'm going to ask the Lord to reveal to me what's going on and try to help the person that God sends me. Do not refuse the one who needs to borrow if you sense the Lord calling you to help them. The reasons may be, well, they aren't responsible with the money, so no, I can't help them. That's retaliation, ultimately. Are you saying you have been responsible with everything you have been given? No. So be wise. But family, be gracious and generous as God has been gracious and generous to you. Yeah, discern. Discern what you're doing. Go before the Lord. Ask Him for wisdom. But let's be a gracious and generous people. That's all that Jesus is getting at in this whole thing. He's getting to the spirit of it. He's going after the Pharisees' heart. They were trying to gain for themselves. He's instead saying, let's gain for the kingdom. Let's turn this thing around. Let's start helping people. 1 John 3.17, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Plain and simple. James 2.15, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warmed and filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, it's dead. Again, this is lowering self and exalting Christ in our hearts and minds, taking on the form of a servant. Can you see this? Retaliate with holiness. I want to close with this scripture. Matthew 5.16. In the same way, let your light so shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Family, I think you know exactly what Christ is calling us to one-to-one, person-to-person. We have got to be more effective with our neighbor, even if they're our enemy. We need to learn to stand for truth, but respond with grace and retaliate with holiness in the end. That's what our God has done. It's amazing how he has not thrown down fire from heaven on all of us and just wiped us off the planet. You crazy humans, you've messed everything up. Instead, He says, no, I'm going to let my son take the whole punishment for you. So please stop punishing each other. That is the message. 
we need grace to get through this. Huh? We need grace to apply this. And so I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray for me right now. And I'm going to ask that as I pray, you allow the gospel message to transform you again, that you see what God has done for you and you would stop punishing those around you. But you would say things like, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And Lord, help me to show them grace as you have shown me grace. Take them two miles. Give them your coat. Don't stop them. Instead, bless them. Let's pray. Father, we are told by you that if somebody wants to do evil, that we are just to step back and to not retaliate, but to turn the other cheek to them. Wow. But that moment of them seeing that we are not going to fight them back would actually shock them to the core and help them to see your goodness, your grace, your work in us. Father, I ask and pray that we would be a people who stop punishing. Because we are Christians, we are full of your spirit. We reflect on the gospel. You had every opportunity to punish And Lord, you have let us go free. We have received your forgiveness. We have received your gift of grace. And because we have received it and experienced it, Lord, we choose to stop punishing people. We choose to stop retaliating. We choose to stop taking revenge. And I pray that we would lead by example in this society. Lord, give us wisdom how to respond with truth, but not to retaliate. Jesus, as you did when they slapped you, and crucified you, you spoke through it all. You cut right to the heart through it all. We pray that, Lord, that we would have that kind of wisdom. Holy Spirit, lead us. Thank you for your word, how it challenges us. Help us to retaliate with your holiness, your goodness, your grace, all the days of our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a text, huh? Thank you for tuning in with us to worship today and to receive God's word. I hope that it helps you in this season as we are navigating, uh, once again, uh, interesting waters here in 2021. Um, I pray that this deposit will give you peace, grant you peace, that God's in control. Don't worry, if retaliation is needed, he's going to take care of it long term. You do not need to step in and take over. It doesn't matter who it's with, with your neighbor with an enemy, with your spouse, with your family members, with friends. Leave it into the hands of the Lord. Let's keep showing love and grace as God would call us to. Amen. Legacy, please, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Be gracious unto you this week. Let's lead by example in the love of Christ as he has called us to, with truth in the love of Christ. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.